When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Here. Welcome to another edition of Golick and Smeddy. Mike Golick Sr. here with Jessica Smetana, a.k.a. Smeddy. And before we jump into the what's going on, not only in the world of sports, but we're going to be out of the world of sports as well. We have Tiger played at the Masters. We had the WNBA draft. We got baseball season starting up. So I know we talked about this last week, Jess, but, you know, this is a lot of people feel the greatest time in sports. And it was pretty exciting for Tiger, as we'll get into in the start of the baseball season. And as I mentioned, a WNBA draft. So there is a whole lot going on right now. There is a lot going on in the sports world. But I think more importantly, there's a lot going on in the Mike Golick world, which is why we have a very special guest today. Sid Golick, my former classmate at Notre Dame, Mike Golick's one and only daughter. Sid, you, we are, what, four days away from the big night? How are you feeling right now? Honestly, I feel pretty good. I think my dad would beg to differ. I, I'm sure he's a little a little stressed right now. I'm, I'm, no, you know, I, I'm actually not really stressed. So, again, at the taping of this, Sydney is getting married on April 16th to Ben Broniker. Ben Broniker was a tight end at Harvard. He played for the Bears for four years as a tight end, and he retired because he's going to med school. He's going to be a neurologist. No big deal. He's a real underachiever. Harvard grad, med school, NFL player. This is ridiculous, Sid. You make everyone else look bad by having such a a perfect fiancé. I ask myself every day, and my family asks every day, like, how this even happened. (laughs) Like, when he asked me out, I was like, is this happening? Like, is this a date or does he just want to be friends? Like, I just couldn't believe that someone so put together would want to be associated with me, honestly. Well, I mean, he probably looked at you and was like, well, Sid is a college athlete and she goes to Notre Dame. She went to Notre Dame and she's a professional now and she comes from this great family before she got to know all of you guys and realized that you're all just dirtbags, right? And now he's like, what the fuck? Yeah, exactly. I mean, do you want to talk? I think... Jess, I really think as a family, we kind of entertain him. He's been used to the <laughs> highly educated, and, and not to say that we're not. We all went to Notre Dame, and I know we joke about, you know, how we're, we're dumbing down and stuff, but I guess we have to be somewhat smart. But this dude's off the charts now. So, Sid, why don't you give a kind of a quick overview of, of how you guys met at your worst? Um, okay, so Ben and I have known each other for probably a little over four years. Um, I did social media for the Chicago Bears. He was obviously playing there. So I had interacted with the players before and was like friendly with all of them. So I had met Ben before, but I guess our first like one-on-one interaction outside of work, um, my family and I had just gotten back from a trip um, to South Africa and we had been traveling for 48 hours straight. Like, I mean, this was realistically like no exaggeration the worst i've ever looked in my life like my brother said i smelled like a hamster cage (laughs) i cried about it i was greasy i had like my airplane socks pulled over my joggers like just really it was tough and 
I had to connect from Boston back to Chicago, and Ben was working in a la- um, like a Harvard lab in the off season, and Definitely. he had to come back. Of course, he was. Yeah. yeah, just casually. Yeah. And somehow we ended up on the same flight from Boston to Chicago, and he noticed me on the flight, and then he somehow he said he was nervous. I was like, "Why were you nervous? I looked like absolute <laughs> hell." Uh, but he came up to me in baggage claim in O'Hare. And he was like, hey, you're Sydney, right? And I literally like jumped back like two feet because I knew I smelled so bad. (laughs) And we had like a little interaction and I guess that kind of like kickstarted things. Like it was really short, just a five minute combo. But then about, I would say a month and a half later, he slid into my DMs, asked me out and wow, rest is history. That's the only positive thing that's ever happened at the baggage claim at O'Hare in history. (laughs) Good for you. I know, who would have thought? The, one of the kickers to this too, Jess, is, is the person who is performing the ceremony. The person mm-hmm. performing the ceremony is Sydney's brother, Mike, my, my eldest son. Mike is going to actually, officially, he, he can do it, officially marry Sydney and Ben. So, Sid, I'm not going to lie, I was a little surprised. You, now, odds, we're, we're, I don't know if we're going to go on, on DraftKings Sportsbook, as far as odds, but odds Mikey screws something up. Oh, there's a hundred percent chance he's going to screw something up, and I think there's a hundred percent chance he cries at some point. I was going to say, what's the over under for crying? We say like two and a half. Like he'll he'll cry between two and three times. I would say one. I would say like one to two times. Like okay. the older we get, the more we turn into my mom emotionally, <laughs> which is not good. Um, so there's no doubt in my mind. I just don't know if he'll cry at the beginning or if it'll be more towards the end. I don't really know what he has planned either. Like Ooh. he wanted to give me a rundown and I'm like, you know what? Like we asked you, like, I just want it to be a surprise at this point. So I to- guess we'll see. I hope it's a good one. Yeah. Two of the interesting things is Mike and I, since we both talk for a living, we were told, keep it short. Like Mike, I mean, is it going to be a what, 10, 15 minutes? Uh, Max, but that was his doing. He yeah. called me, and I was like, honestly, like the shorter the better. It's absolutely fine. But you want to get da- the cocktail hour, right? Exactly. My dad though has an issue with the timeline. I told him he has about five minutes allotted for his. Just seriously, I mean, I mean, I I want you to be unbiased as you possibly can, which I know you can't be because you're Sydney's age and you're a woman like her. But five minutes, I have to welcome all the guests including Ben's family as, as, as we're hosting for the weekend, talk about Ben, talk about Sydney, all of this in five minutes. Is that fair? Five minutes is tough. So here's the thing about wedding speeches. Like if the speech is about Sid and Ben, you, you get a lot of runway to talk about them, right? The problem is when parents make the speech about themselves because like everyone at the wedding wants to do that. The maid of honor, the best man, the parents of the bride, they all want to just talk about themselves and how happy they are and how much they put into the wedding, right? And that's when you lose the room. You got to make it funny. You got to keep it keep it focused. Keep it about the bride and groom, Mike. Don't, don't talk about how happy you are for yourself the entire time because like we all know that you're excited for the wedding and excited to get Sid off your books all right but this is her moment not yours so you got to keep things rolling along wow I, I mean said even, it better myself. even Jess just smacking she me did. down I mean oh my she just God. told you to take a seat holy like, shit she did she just said talk about sitting better sit the hell down yeah. <laughs> what did I 
say to you two days ago? I said, this is not about you. I, I, why was it going to make it about me? How was I going to? I've had 20 years on air to make shit about me. I don't need to do it at your wedding. Listen, I'm still recoiling from the price of this whole freaking thing. Okay? I mean, someone will say, what's the budget? Sid's like, what's a budget? <laughs> I mean, one day she came home and said, we're having fireworks. Another day we got a delivery and it was a bunch of sparklers. I'm like, what the fuck are sparklers for? Everyone, Everyone has, has sparklers. sparklers. Oh my Mike. God. Well, seriously. Also, and, the sparklers were like $100. Like, it's, it's probably it the cheapest thing. Yeah. I was yeah. say, he was the freaking flowers. out the Don't get me started on the flowers. And Mike. I was like, dad, why are you pinpointing the sparklers? Well, like, that's... That's the least year. I will say you guys kept the flowers down somewhat. We did. We, we did. did. Yeah. Jess, I'm going to tell you the best thing we bought or not bought got was for $500. You go ahead and tell him, Sid. We got a beer donkey yeah. for the cocktail hour. What is a beer donkey? It's a, it's a donkey. It's a beer bu- burrow. And we're going to call him Joe Burrow. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and he care He has a little, I don't like, know, like, like a, a little basket ba- on his basket back. Basket on bo- both sides, like over like the saddle. Okay. And there's beer in it. He and he Wait, literally this is like a live donkey. It's yeah, a live donkey. He burrow. walks around and he like gives beer to people. Yes, he walks around the cocktail hour and and, and he hands out beer. Well, he doesn't hand out the beer. But this isn't like animal abuse either. Like he's treated. Very oh no, well. he's so. treated great. <laughs> Does he get tips in the form of like carrots and? Oh, we're gonna we're gonna yeah, and drinks. I'm sure we're gonna try and get a Bengals hat and put it on him and get a picture. And like Sid said, call him Joe Burrow. Okay, Sid, I have a question for you about how you were able to whittle down a guest list for this wedding. I don't know how many guests are going to this wedding, but I know that your family is very friendly and has a lot of people in their lives, like some on the periphery, some closer. And you went to Notre Dame, and you had a ton of friends at Notre Dame, and Ben went to Harvard and played in the NFL. So I'm sure he has a ton of friends along the way that he's met. How do you narrow this down for a wedding with all of these people that I have to assume you guys have a huge network? To be honest, it wasn't. So we're sitting at about like between 130 and 140. So that's like a, a medium size. Because people would have had to travel out to Scottsdale. For yeah, this, this so. is technically, I guess, a destination wedding because like no one is from here. Um, to be honest, it wasn't super hard for two reasons. Ben and I both agreed the the longer you wait post-college to get married, you kind of realize what people you stay in touch with and what people you don't. Like, there's some true. people I, I hung out with in college all the time and like, I'm sorry, they just didn't, didn't get invited. Like, I'm just like, if I didn't stay in touch with you, like, it just wasn't going to happen. And Ben is kind of the same way. And then honestly, like, my you guys like know a lot of people. You don't have a lot of like close friends. No. Like, we keep our circle very small. We hung, we hung around our kids too much. We didn't get a lot of, Chris and I didn't get a lot of adult friends. <laughs> yeah, there, there's plenty of, of Sydney and Mike and Jake. So this is going to be age. like a fun, like 25 to 35 year old wedding. Like it's going to exactly. be a party. Just as the I kids like say, that. as the kids say, it's going to be a banger. <laughs> oh, Do the kids say that? No. Oh, not right. anymore. Oh God! I got you both just yeah. looking at me like I'm so derelict. I am derelict. like secondhand embarrassment is at an all time. Do you see how red she is right now? <laughs> there was uh, Jess. There were two things that that I that as a goal, like I think that we have kind of exuded over the years. And you know, if we're in charge of this wedding because it's, it's you know Sydney's the bride, and so we're we're responsible for it all. There will will never run out of food or drink. We all we always have extra time even at the bar. The bar never closes. Like a lot of times, a bar will close oh, during worst. dinner. 
We, we don't want anybody nosediving. Well, I just said you lose all your hard work from yeah. cocktail hour. No, and then they bullshit. shut the bar yeah. down. It's bullshit. So my dad's like, we have to make sure the bar doesn't close at dinner. So we're just going to keep that rolling whole night. And the, the worst is like you go to cocktail hour and you get a cocktail and then you sit down at dinner and they're like, all we have is wine. And it's yeah. like, well, now you're having me mix alcohols at your wedding. Do you want me to feel like shit later? Or do you want me to go on the dance floor and party? Because I might need to Tums this now. Exactly. Yeah. Boom. That's exactly. exactly right. That's why the bar isn't closing. I mean, the bar doesn't close, and we have late-night food. I think sliders, pizza, chicken uh, tenders, chicken fries, tenders, pretzel mosh. Ooh, this is going to be a banger. Do, yeah. Can you guys See, reveal? you said it. <laughs> you said banger. It's, I think it's just the way you said it. Was it was a callback, Mike. It yeah. was a callback. Yeah. Um, can, can you guys reveal what the father-daughter dance is going to be? You want to tell? Yeah, the father-daughter dance is uh, Darius Rucker. Uh, it won't be like this for long. Are you going to be singing it, Mike? Because I know you do Darius Rucker karaoke. No. Uh, in a in a twist, Darius is attending the wedding. Wow. And it's possible. We, we, we told him he does not have to do it, but he said he may he may sing uh, that song. But wow. again, I said you're here as a guest, not as a uh, not not to perform. So it is completely up to him. So we'll have to wait till that day uh, to see if he will. We're ready to go whether it's taped or we're ready to go if he wants to sing it. So, and, and also same thing, Sydney and Ben's um, first, first dance, dance song. song is a Darius Rucker song as well. Uh, so so it, it's very nice of him that, that he, he wanted to come here. Um, so he'll hang out and, and we'll have to, we'll, we'll, when we do the post-wedding uh, recap on, on Golik and Smeddy, We'll let mm -hmm. you know if he, he sang it or not. Will he be the most famous person at this at this wedding, or do you think there's anyone that beats him? There's no doubt. No. Yeah. No, no, nobody will beat Definitely that. Definitely Darius. I, mean, I don't know how you beat Darius Rucker. You don't. Yeah. I mean, because Stu's not going to be here, so that knocks him out of the run. <laughs> yeah. I'm surprised you know? he didn't weasel his way in, though. Yeah, for, yeah, he tried, but I, you food. know, we, we, we kept him at bay. But yeah, he is definitely the most the most famous one, so... So, you know, we're, I think we're all set. You know, we're just kind of, as I said, we're taping this earlier in the week, so we're doing a lot of last-minute things. But uh, we're, we're getting ready to, to have at it. And, when, uh, when, will, when will the weekend officially begin? Like Friday night, Thursday night? No, probably uh, Wednesday. <laughs> we're, I mean, we're having people over Wednesday and Thursday for, yeah. I guess, like just a, a casual it's, thing. It's, Our, yeah. The welcome party starts on Friday. Yeah, so the, the casual things, we're afraid of what they're going to turn into. But, like, the official first Sorry. thing is is friday night and because you know i have the rehearsal dinner we made it a dinner for everybody since people are traveling in from out of town we don't want to exclude them they flew in from out of town so let's we'll have the rehearsal we'll have the rehearsal you know right before it but then everybody is welcome to the to the dinner and we'll just start partying well i can't wait to hear about how it goes and i also can't wait to have a donkey at my future wedding that you'll be paying for mike because you agreed to do that once I make you go viral on TikTok with Stu Gatz. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to this. I'm telling you, it's on your end with Stu and Sydney. You guys can, can you know, get together on how we do this. But you make us TikTok stars and, and we'll, we'll and, pay and for And Darius it. Rucker will be performing at my wedding via <laughs> my friendship with you, Mike. So wow, I'm, I'm very wow. much looking yeah. forward to it. Jess is she's, really she's starting She's creating to, a list now. Yeah, yeah, she's checking some boxes yeah. right This now. is why they call oh. me Stu Gatz. Yeah. <laughs> I know what I'm doing here, please. All right, well, that was nice of Sydney to take, you know, time out of her busy day of spending my money on this wedding. Jess, I don't even want to know the final number. I, 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 and, they, and they talk in code around me, so I don't know. I, I, I don't I want to know. I respect that, honestly. Good for them.
Oh, I'm not going to take your side on this one, Mike. I'm sorry. No, I know. I know. Believe me. I, I, I knew it going in. And from your answers, you know, you, you lived up to exactly what I thought <laughs> it was going to be. I so, hope we can still be friends. Yeah, we, we can still be friends, you know, as long as when the baking starts and, you know. <laughs> Fair we, enough. All right. Yeah, I got yeah, you. There you go. All right. We'll recap uh, the wedding uh, next in our next episode, if I'm not too hungover uh, to do that. But I uh, would have had an easy time paying for it if I had... You know, next guy we're going to talk about his uh, his net worth. That's Tiger Woods uh, in the <laughs> Masters. And coming up in a little bit, we're going to talk to Jared Carabas, who does an, a great uh, a baseball pod. Baseball is dead, and also a podcast about uh, Boston Red Sox baseball. He just he's over with DraftKings now, so he's Jesse's our teammate now. He was with Barstool, now he's with DraftKings. So we're going to jump into baseball a little bit as as the season starts. So we'll talk to him in a bit, but. You know, the Masters, we talked about this last week, and I actually feel pretty good about myself in thinking what was going to happen, that Tiger would make the cut, but then kind of kind of fade a little bit just because it had been, you know, he hasn't walked, you know, this much or maybe wasn't in golf shape, and he did. He shot a 71 and a 74, made the cut, and then both days, Saturday and Sunday, he shot 78-78, you know, and finished in 47th place in this thing, but still, I mean, just to have Tiger roaming Augusta, I mean, so many eyes had to be on that. I mean, I, that's like pretty much the only group that I watched on Thursday and Friday. And I took Mike two of the most spectacular naps of my life this <laughs> weekend watching the Masters. The Masters is great background television for taking a nice afternoon nap, especially this time of year in the Northeast. I'm in New York right now. It's a little cool. It's a little warm. You go outside, you get a little tired walking around all day, and then you get back like 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock is that sweet spot. You lay down, you get under a nice cozy blanket, and you just pass out listening to that Masters coverage. And it was great waking up towards the end of Tiger's round both days, seeing him still, I think he was, you know, minus one. And then the next day he was uh, maybe plus one. It was phenomenal napping, phenomenal napping this weekend. Golf, you know, people will hear that and say, oh, you know, you think golf is boring. And blah. Listen, I love golf, but, but Jess, you're right. I mean, you, you sit there long enough. Like when the U.S. Open is on, I mean, that's on like start to finish. Like the Masters, they love not showing it all on regular TV. Now you can see it streaming and stuff. But like the U.S. Open, man, it is on everywhere. And, and you're right. You just I just kind of lay and watch, and the next thing you know, an hour and a half passed by, and you were asleep. No, it's not an insult. I love I love watching golf, yeah. actually. I, I watch more than just the majors, too, which might surprise people because not a lot of people do that, I feel like, anymore. Right. Um, but it was, it was a really, I thought, a nice weekend, and it was nice for Scotty Scheffler, who's only yeah. 25 years old, who's now coming, came into the tournament as the, you know, number one ranked player to not give up that lead on Sunday, which it looked a little dicey yeah. for a minute, but he stuck through it. And then I read all these stories afterwards about how nervous he was Sunday morning and he was crying and his wife was trying to calm him down before his round on Sunday because he didn't want to blow it. And it just like the stakes are so high for someone to win their first major at Augusta when you go into that final day with such a big lead. I can't imagine how nervous he must have been. So it was nice that he was able to finish uh, not so strong because yeah, he four, yeah. four butted the last hole, but he still finished uh, and won the Masters. So it was, it was nice to see, you know, someone we'd never seen before win. I, I'm with you because it's a position, you know, 99% of us have never been in, you know, one of the most prestigious events there is in the world. And you're leading 
for the first time at this event going into the last day. I can't imagine the sleep you didn't get and the nerves that have, that have to be running through you if you just wanted to get on the course and start this thing. And it was Cameron Smith who kind of got close to him, and then he faded off. Rory McIlroy had a monster Sunday, shot a 64, and ended up in second place on this one. But but Scheffler really would have had to, to gack this one away. But we've seen it happen before. And oh, I'm not yeah. saying with him, but we've seen it happen in golf. So... I think that's what we are all hoping. While I'm sure Scotty Scheffler and his wife and his family were all hoping he'd keep a big lead, I know I was sitting there saying, screw up. Somebody catch him. You know, let's let's get some kind of fantastic finish going on. We well, all that, wanted to see that. That is the thing, though, that's, that's hard about golf because when there is someone with a big lead going into the final day, I feel so bad cheering for someone to screw up. But that's the only thing that's going to make it interesting going into the last few holes, right? Is if the guy yes. with the big lead yes. screws up a bunch of times and then you feel awful for them, but you're also like watching it because it's sports and you want it to be competitive and entertaining. At least like Rory and Colin Morikawa gave you those exciting moments towards the end on Sunday where they, they both back-to-back birdied from the bunker, um, like right, ne- right one after the other. Um, so that was cool. But yeah, there wasn't a ton of suspense with the final few holes because Scheffler kind of wrapped it up. So, so here's the thing. I, I, I'd be interested in your thought. Now, over the years of, of doing the show for a couple of decades, um, we've had many a golfer on. And every now and then I would ask this. You can, you can only obviously control your game, right? But that doesn't mean your mind can't be, you know, as you're watching someone who's leading putt that you hope they miss, right? And all I hear is, no, 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 no. This is a gentleman's sport. Nobody roots for somebody to miss. That's bullshit. That's, that, I, I, I don't believe that at all. Because I heard Tiger doing an interview Friday when he made the cut. And he was like, well, you know, I need, I need to get into the red. I need to get within range you know, to, to try and make a run. And he didn't, but just that thought process. And part of him getting in range is not only him getting in the red, but the leaders coming back a little bit. That's just human nature. So you can't tell me that if, if you're paired with a guy and he's leading and it's getting the last few holes and you got to catch him and he's getting ready for a six footer that in your mind, you're not saying Noonan. Miss it. Miss it. I mean, I, I refuse to believe that every golfer out there has this high professional moral standard, you know, that says, oh, I, 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 I hope I, I can't control. It, so if he makes it, that's just fine. That was a great 1979 film reference that I, I, I got. Caddyshack Appreciate is actually it. one of my one of my favorite older movies, Mike. I, I do um, have to be careful with you in movies when, when you had to look up G.I. Jane, you know, after the whole Will Smith it happens, and Chris it happens. Rock thing. But I, I'm sorry. I no, don't I know it's it's human nature to to like root against someone to better your own position in a sporting event, right? Like when you're playing football, you want the guy you're yes. playing against to fumble the ball. It's yes. the same thing. Yeah, I I just never never bought into that. But you know, so we'll see. So one of the good things that came out of it is on the DraftKings sportsbook, I put I put some shekels on Colin Morikawa to finish in the top ten. My man finished wow. fifth. Yeah, buddy. That's what well, I'm talking about. Love I that. Pu- I put some uh, money on Cam Smith, so I was uh, to win. Bu- to win. To win oh, outright. Great okay. odds on that. I don't remember what they were. I probably should have looked that up. But <laughs> I I was this close, Mike. You can see my fingers. This yes. close to putting that same amount on Scotty Scheffler. 
Man, I mean, what what a run he's had. He's run three times in February and March before the Masters, and now won the Masters. So he is truly, truly on a roll. So, uh, and Tiger, listen, it was great he just played. Then it was even better he made the cut. I mean, he just people just loved watching him. And now, you know, May 19th is a PGA Championship, and he's plus 4,000 to win that one. But there's all kind of, and again, on DraftKings Sportsbook, there's all kinds of different, you know, top 10, top five, top 20, make the cut, you know, and all different kind of things that you could, you could put some money on, which, which I did. Uh, but yeah, right now, Tiger's plus 4,000 to win the PGA Championship. And I just think there'll be some people, Jess, that will, will obviously put, take a flyer on him, but still, because he won the Masters not too long ago, it was what, 44 when he won the Masters, 43, 44, that he maybe will be able to pull one off at some point. It's crazy how many like mid-40s guys there are still in sports who are somehow like each sport that they're in is revolving around them. Like this Tom Brady yeah. story that yeah. came out about him trying to basically leave the Buccaneers to then go to the the dolphins. Uh, dolphins and he might have had to wait a year sit out a year to leave his buccaneers uh contract to then play for the dolphins i'm like what the hell are we talking about he's gonna be 46 by the time that happens and same with tiger i'm like it's amazing now what athletes are still able to do well into their 40s because i i guess science ice yeah. baths uh, i don't know i mean uh, you know supplements people learn how to take care of by their bodies better uh i don't know what it is but man i couldn't imagine He's Mike, playing. in your heyday, 45-year-olds looked like they were 80. Like, oh. these dudes looked ancient. Listen, my last year in the league, it was my ninth year. I was 31 years old. And, I mean, normally, you know, after a game, you get Monday your film and, and, and recover, and Tuesday's your day off, and you're ready to go Wednesday. By my ninth year, I mean, it took till Thursday before I even started to feel better again. And like you said, these guys are in their 40s. If I took, if I tried to play in my 40s, there'd be two plays. The first play, I'd get a little nicked up. The second play, they'd carry me off on a stretcher. I mean, <laughs> I just couldn't do it anymore. And it is. These guys are amazing. And, and everybody will be watching Tiger at the PGA and hoping that he can pull something off. But uh, it was exciting because Tiger was there, even though the outcome, um, you know, wasn't really in question. And congrats to Scotty Scheffler uh, for doing that. So again, everybody will be looking forward to Tiger Woods and the PGA Championship in May. And we'll see how his odds are once we get closer and closer. And if he plays even before that uh, as well. And speaking of playing, Major League Baseball has started. There is nothing like opening day in baseball. When they say the smell of the grass on opening day, that's, that's not bullshit. That, that is true. I, I dig that stuff. And we're really pleased, Jess and I, to welcome our new teammate, uh, Jared Carabas, joining us right now. Was at Barstool, now over at DraftKings. Baseball is Dead podcast. Also, he does a Boston Red Sox podcast as well. He's in Boston. Jared, we really appreciate uh, you, you, you jumping on with us. This is exciting. This is uh, I'm very excited to be here. Very excited to be able to talk with you guys. This is, uh, this is a great opportunity. As far as, so I'm going to start with, because I want to get into the start of the season for sure, obviously, and, and what, what to expect this year. But for 20 years, as I'm doing my show over at ESPN, 
obviously we're talking baseball, tons of baseball guests, baseball, baseball. And I swear for so many of those years, Jared, it was baseball's dying. Baseball's falling behind of the four majors. Where's his soccer ahead of baseball? What's ahead of baseball now? The average age in the stadiums is 56 years old. What are they going to do for the game of baseball? And this is over two decades. So in your mind, how true was all that? And where is baseball now? Yeah, I, I think that there was some truth to that for a little bit. Um, you know, I, I think really the the trick with baseball, because over here in Boston, I don't know if you're familiar with Mike Felger, but yes. Mike Felger, he, I love him. We've worked together a bunch. He has it out for baseball. He, he said, you know, I, <laughs> I can't sit here and do an hour of baseball talk. That's what he said. And I was like, you know what, Mike? Thank you that, that you acknowledge that because when, when you can't do it, that's when people come to us. Uh, it, it's about how you do it. Uh, of course, if you want to do an hour of baseball talk and you're talking about all the geeky, nerdy stats and everything like that, that's not going to be appealing to a, to a mass audience. But what I've kind of discovered in, in doing this, this Red Sox podcast since 2015 now is that, you know, baseball is a weird game. Like a lot of you can go to a baseball game every night of your life for 30 years and still see something that you've never seen before. Every single time that you go, it's one of those games. Uh, it's hard to explain. Uh, so it's, it's really about how you cover it and leaning into how weird it is and how entertaining it can be. Uh, so yeah, there was definitely a point where, you know, baseball was dead after uh, 94. Yeah. And then you, you bring it back in 98 with the steroids, which is why, I still don't like that's a whole nother tangent about the Hall of Fame and people voting against people that tested without steroids. Do, baseball is super dead. It's not even like a, a mocking phrase that we're going to use for this podcast. Like it might actually be dead. I, I don't want to throw you off on a tangent, but I've always been of the of the ill. Put them in the Hall of Fame. They're, they mm -hmm. should be in the Hall. Of, are, are you that way as well? Yeah, I, I'm a big Barry Bonds fan. I don't know if you're on Instagram. Uh, but I, <laughs> I comment on every single post that Barry Bonds posts. And I just say, you, the man, Barry, I've been doing it for like five, six years. Has he ever responded to this? Never. never. <laughs> Does he at least like give you a pity? Like, nope, he's never, he's never liked it. He's never followed me back. Uh, Does he run his own social media accounts? Do we know if he's even seen it? Does he know that you exist? I, so that's the thing is I, I don't know. And I don't think I want to know. I, I, I love the mystery about it. And the fact that, cause it's, I have his post notifications on. So I will comment on Barry Bonds, Instagram. The second that he posts something, it's usually like around the 11 second mark. So he has to be, <laughs> if, if he's running it, he has to be like, all right, well, there's, there's Kravis again. Like, you know, you're the man. Do you Barry. ever, do you ever wake up at like 2am and see that you've missed a post notification and you then are scrambling? Cause you're like, oh shit. Now I'm like the 200th person to comment on this post. Yes. So usually like, so if I post a picture, which is not very often, then, you know, you'll, you'll get like the bing, 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 like a bunch of different notifications. And sometimes a Barry post during that window of time, mm -hmm. then it can get lost in the shuffle and like, head, like that's on me. Like I have to be better. Uh, accountability is, is key here, but I mean, he's never acknowledged it. And I kind of, I kind of enjoy that about the, uh, the whole thing. Mike knows, Mike knows exactly what we're talking about. By yeah. The way. Oh yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that post notification. Super yeah, following along. Somebody, somebody, you know, <laughs> tell me what that is after Jess. All right. Uh, would, Jared, would somebody uh, say that you may be stalking him? 
Yeah, uh, I would say more of like an intense appreciation is the phrase. That... It sounds like you're trying to like validate him, like make him know that like you think he's the man to make him feel better. Or well, he, he's way. my he's my white whale interview. Like that's the one guy out there besides Roger Clemens, which is an odd connection to make, which which Clemens agreed to do it. Uh, he last year he agreed to do it. We just couldn't link up on on dates. Um, he actually that was one of the coolest things about the day that uh, of the DraftKings announcement, Roger Clemens responded to it. And I was like, well, I'll be damned. Uh, but yeah, Barry is, is my number one would love to interview guy. Uh, we have a mutual friend who said that they, he thinks that he can facilitate this. Oh, so we'll, we'll see the, I mean, the mutual friend is Christian Yelich. He was the, uh, Barry Bonds yeah. was the hitting coach in Miami. So they will, you just dropped, please. Will, yeah. I, so I've My known friend Christian, Christian Yelich. I knew Christian before MVP. he was cool. I, I knew Christian before he was cool. He's never been cool, but like before he was like <laughs> Christian Yelich. Um, so yeah, no, th- that the Barry Bonds interview, let's, let's bring it to DraftKings. Uh, that that would be awesome, and I'm so with you on the Hall of Fame. It's so so disgusted with the writers and their, you know, hypocrisy. I just just absolutely can't stand it. Um, the so the one of the other things we talked about a, a, a lot was the young players and not only how good they are, but how their actions are different than the older players. Or and because you know I've been accused in some realms of this as the old man sitting on the porch, and I try not to be. And, and it helps that I have my oldest son Mike, who's in the business as well. He can he can check me, you know, on stuff as well. And I try and say, okay, I can come into this century, and it doesn't mean all old school things are bad. But I love the the young crew out there and how they they're enjoying a game. It's a friggin' game mm-hmm. that they enjoy. When I hear hit a home run, keep your head down, or run around the base, I'm like bullshit, man. Mm-hmm. It's a I mean not that you got to point your finger at the pitcher all the time, but have fun. So do we think we've crossed over into accepting this and just enjoying this? I think we're on the 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 precipice of that. And I think where it kind of started was the hall of fame voting almost where it's like, yeah, these, these older voters are eventually going to die out, retire, whatever, move on. And then we're going to start to see these, these younger voters getting a chance to vote for the hall of fame because you have to be in the BBWA for 10 years before you can even get a vote. Um, And I think it was, it was too little too late in terms of those younger people getting in in time to get Barry and Clemens and, and whoever in, but with, the league, uh, you know, you're not, you don't have 72 year old men still playing major league baseball. So the, the, the older players who maybe don't like that style of play as much, well, now they don't have a say because they're not in a major league clubhouse anymore. And there is an element we, we, you know, the story about Ronald Acuna jr. Did that interview the other day. And he said, you know, good riddance to, to Freddie Freeman. And part of that was, well, Freddie Freeman was the guy in the Atlanta Braves clubhouse who said, that's not what we do around here. We don't wear eye black on our face like that. And we don't, we don't wear our hat like that. We don't put our sunglasses over the Atlanta Braves logo on our hats. Um, eventually, but I mean, obviously like that came from Chipper Jones that comes down to Freddie Freeman. Now Freddie Freeman tries to pass it on to the next guy, but what if the next guy's like, well, that's stupid. I don't, I don't want to do that. And- Freddie Freeman's also only 32 years old, right? He's not really old guard. Although I guess in baseball, that is um, maybe you're above average age because there is, it tends to skew younger than that. But it, it was interesting to me that that um, mentality is still pervasive just among like, early 30 year old players not just people 
managing teams now, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think it, it's a it's a very different culture there specifically in Atlanta, um, where their big name players are lifelong Braves. Like even like the like the Tom Glavins of the world who ended up with the Mets and like Maddox moved around a little bit and Smoltz went with to Boston and St. Louis for like a year. Uh, if you ever have a chance to go to spring training camp, go to the brave spring training camp because they bring all of them back. Like the, it's crazy walking around brave spring training camp and like the info, like you look over there, like there's Andrew Jones, there's Chipper Jones, there's all these guys. Um, and I think that that culture there, it's like the Braves organization is, is very much like a fraternity. You don't have that with every major league organization. So I think specifically with the example of Freeman and Acuna, that was being passed down by the, the Hall of Fame names. Yeah, I, I see that in, in my sport of football. That's the Raiders. The Raiders do a great job of bringing back their former players and having them involved and keeping that tradition and that legacy going. So that, that's, that's always very, very cool to see. So before we jump into about this year and the expectations, there were some rule changes. You know, so if you were, were any of the rule changes that you say, we just can't do it, you know, between the DH rule and we're talking about ghost runners. I know the pitch clock. I mean, that, that has been, that has been talked about for a while now. So what do you think will help baseball the most? Because it's all about speeding the game up. Yeah. I think introducing uh, the pitch com is great. Uh, I, not every team has adopted it yet, but for the teams that you have seen use it, it is speeding up the game a little bit. And I know like some broadcasters have already gotten frustrated with it because you know, if it's like a two strike count and you're trying to see like what this guy is going to throw now, you can't because they're using earpieces and these little, uh, you know, electric electronic pads. Um, but I do like it. I, I feel like it's it's long overdue in terms of, you know, we see it in football. You know, the guy, uh, quarterback's got a, got a microphone in his helmet. Why can't we do that in baseball? If everyone's going to cry and panic about uh, sign stealing, it's like, well, you know, we can avoid that. Um, the pitch clock. I. I'm indifferent, really. I, I know that, uh, you know, I do the, the baseball is dead with Dallas. And he was like, well, you know, like I worked quick, so that wouldn't bother me. <laughs> but there is a, I guess, strategy behind freezing the batter or freezing the, the runner on first. Like you, if they're thinking about going, you're going to take a little bit extra time because that's going to get in their head a little bit. Uh, the universal DH, that was long overdue. That was, yeah. I, I mean, National League fans, I don't, I don't get it when they're like, Oh, but the strategy, yeah. and, you know, like once, once a year, you might see Zach Granke hit a home run or Bartolo Colon. We wouldn't have that moment. It's like, yeah, those are great moments, but what about the, the thousands of other at bats where the pitchers just up there, not swinging, or they're going <laughs> to roll over, or they're going to strike out, have a non-competitive at bat. What if the game's on the line? I just, I never, I never had an appreciation for it. So yeah, the universal DH was long overdue. I'm happy that it's here. Every manager I've talked to over the years, and I guess this is true in every sport, kind of cuts the season up into quarters or thirds, however they want to do it. In baseball, I know you're really not going to know a team for a while yet. We're just, what, a handful of games in or so. But what, what do you see early in this season as what should everybody look for? It doesn't mean the team, player, whatever, but, but what are you looking at? So 
I feel like any time, and I, it's not the same as the NBA when you talk about a super team in baseball. Like you can you can put three really good players on one team, and it can still kind of not make that big of a difference. Like the Texas Rangers come to mind. Like they went out and got Marcus Simeon. They got Corey Seager. Like those are two really good players. The Texas Rangers are not making the playoffs. Like I'm sorry, they're just not. It's it baseball is a little bit different. But with the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, I think what we've seen in baseball a lot is when teams go out and they go all in in terms of making additions that it doesn't always click that first year. Um, I think it's going to click in Toronto. I don't think that they're going to have to wait a long time for that group to kind of live up to the hype. They, they have a great young core that have been playing with each other for a while. And then they kept adding pieces to supplement that. And the fact that they, basically were knocking on the door of the postseason last year and, and came up just short. They also have the motivation. They have the talent. They have a great manager. And I don't know if you saw the, um, the umpire mic'd up moment. Yes. Yes. Toronto. That was a WrestleMania crowd <laughs> pop. If, if those blue Jays fans can keep that same energy going all year, that's going to be a tough place that opponents are not going to want to come into. Yeah, I, I, again, I, I love the start of the season. Uh, is how about how about before we let you go, a a young player that maybe a lot of people don't know um, that that you think is ready to break out, or someone that people are going to get to know. So here here's the name that you need to write down: Stephen Kwan. This dude, he was a fifth rounder uh, for the Cleveland Indians. Came out of nowhere. His his OBP after like a handful of games is almost 900. He's just, he's stealing. He's baseball Twitter's, uh, he's the Twitter darling of baseball Twitter. Like this guy is, is, uh, he's a young, exciting player. Obviously the game is littered with uh, young, exciting players that are, have superstar potential or have already reached a, a superstar pedestal by the age of 21, 22 years old. Um, which that's why, that's why the game is where it's at. That's why when you look around and see all these tweets about different ratings of opening weekend and they're, they're better than they were in the last five, six years. That's why the game is at where it's at is because you can turn on essentially any random, uh, matchup between two teams and find a reason to stick around. Well, I'm glad you picked Quan again, 24 year old with the, the guardians. Now I have to get used to saying that I grew up in <laughs> Cleveland. So listen, okay. that is my, my hometown. So I'm glad uh, you gave me a name from someone from my hometown team. So I'll certainly keep an eye on him. Jared, we really appreciate uh, your time and also look forward to, uh, you know, little interaction both ways between all of us as teammates, now at DraftKings. but uh, we really appreciate it. Thanks. Of course. Thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to doing this again. So we're going to have to get you guys on the podcast as well. Mike, it was great having Sid and Jared on. I don't know what I'm going to be napping to this weekend without a major championship on TV, but you're going to be at a wedding, so you will not have any time to nap over the next five days, and I'm excited to hear about how that goes next week. Well, just know this, that the next time we, we the next pod we do next week, uh, I'm hoping I'm dried out by then because, listen, I'm paying for this massive party. I'm going to enjoy it. It's literally... 30 yards from my house where this is all going to be so i am said i'm taking all the extras like if there's extra booze that i bought it's coming to my house if oh you know extra, there's going to be extra food right extra food coming to my house extra cake coming to my house the donkey because it's coming home with you donkey's coming home with me because i don't know if you agree with this there is nothing 
like cake, put in the fridge, wake up the next morning, cold cake for breakfast. You ever freeze cake? Yes. Yes. Absolutely. You'll be freezing some cake next Saturday. Awesome. So I I can't wait to have all of that. We'll we'll recap uh, everything as well. Uh, and like I said, uh, I'm not going to know the final bill and I don't want to, but in all honesty, you know, Sydney is marrying a great guy in Ben Broniker. So, uh, looking forward to not looking forward to walking my little girl down the aisle and giving her away. I tell you that that's a, <clears throat> that's going to be a, a tough moment. She's always going to be my little girl, but now there's someone else taking care of her. That's, that's a tough thing for a dad. Cause that's, well, now, you know, now we need to put an over under on how many times you're going to cry. Oh, I didn't even it, think about that. We, we, Sydney and I, because obviously she doesn't want to cry. And we all know the reason makeup, yeah, right? The makeup. Oh yeah. So, so we, well, you, to, you go waterproof on the wedding day. I feel like, I, oh, I'm sure she will. Yeah. I mean, um, so basically we're like, we need to kind of joke with each other walking down the aisle, you know, to cry to try and stop from, from crying, but it's going to happen when I give my talk, my five minute talk, it's going to happen. I just, you know, that's just the way it's, it's going to be. You know, what are you going to do? I just got to gotta get through it and then, uh, then get blind and drunk. Well, <laughs> there you go. That's what the alcohol's for, right? That's exactly right. Well, I can't wait to hear about it. Next week we'll have some more uh, NBA playoff uh, yeah. talk and NFL draft is coming up, Mike. And there is a F1 race in Miami in two weeks. So we'll need to talk about that a little bit next week too. And I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Oh, we have to do that because I still wanted to try and get down there. Mike might come. My son Mike might end up down there for that one as well. But I hear the logistics are pretty pretty rough down in Miami. Oh, now you're already trying to back out after you already promised me a ticket. I see what you're doing here. Without question. Without. I'm, listen, <laughs> I'm doing nothing but pulling a Stugatz, right? Damn it, he learned from the best. There you go. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER in Illinois, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, and Wyoming. 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado and New Hampshire. 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. 8778-HOPE-NEW-YORK or text HOPE-NEW-YORK 467-369 in New York. Visit opgr.org in Oregon. Call or text the Tennessee Red Line, 1-800-889-9789 or 1-888-532-3500 in Virginia. 21 plus only, 18 plus in New Hampshire and Wyoming. Physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Louisiana, Michigan, New Hampshire, New Jersey, New York, Oregon, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming only. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for full terms and conditions. No results guaranteed. Void were prohibited. Eligibility restrictions apply. See www.draftkings.com sportsbook for full details. Odds and lines are subject to change.